We're going to share with us this morning, if you take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 9, 36, 38, and then 10 and 1. Sister Sue said something Wednesday night in the Bible class, touched my heart dearly about her running into a person, how she got to talk to him. We ought to always be reminded of that. And praise God. I don't know about you, but I want all of God that I can get. I, I want more and more of what I have. And I know about how to go about getting it. It's a sacrifice. And uh, so God bless you for being here today. Amen. All right. Acts, I mean, Matthew 9, 36 and 38. Jesus went about all the cities and villages. He teaching in their synagogue. He preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Verse 36. When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. And then began, they were faint and scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Verse 37. And Jesus said unto the disciples, The harvest is truly what? Say it out loud. But what? Labors are few. Really, when you get down to it, we don't have anything to do with the harvest. Jesus draws all men unto himself. We're here to labor to help bring them and keep them in the body of Christ. With labors. Not many people want to labor, even in the natural. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of what? Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. It's his harvest. He said, you pray that I will call laborers. Then verse 10, I mean uh, Matthew 10 and verse 1. When he had called unto them, he gave them power against all unclean spirits to cast them out, heal all manners of sickness and all manners of disease. We're going to title it this morning, A Continuous Revival. The church should every day be in a continuous revival. We never know who might need our attention in the things of God, so we need to be in a revival. 1 John 4, 17 says, As Jesus is, so are we in this world. Jesus sees a mighty harvest, but he sees it needs labors to save and get them. Christ cannot save without us, and we cannot be saved without Christ. So there needs to be a continuous revival. And the Bible said we have the mind of Christ. In other words, we ought to have our eyes on a harvest and on having labors. I know sometimes you may look around, well, things just not going too good, but our Sunday school classes are picking up. We've had it open up another one. Our nurseries overflowing. We need laborers in our nurseries. Amen? Come on. We need it. You never know what a child is going to grow up to in the little things of God. 1 Corinthians 2.12 said, We have the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the thing 
that have been freely given to us by God. I mean, you know, everything that you have today was freely given to you by God. You didn't get anything that was not given to you by God. You said, well, I worked hard for it. God gave you the strength. God gave you the mind. God gave you the intelligence. God gave you years to be able to accomplish that. Isaiah 6 and 3 said, The angels, one cried one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I would like you to say that with me. The whole earth is full of glory of the Lord. If it was not full of the glory of the Lord, I tell you, people would never get saved. People will never find God. He's there everywhere, anytime. Anytime you need him, he's there and ready to do something. And so they was crying, hold him. That also it says his glory is the fullness of the whole earth. His glory is the fullness of the whole earth. We ought to feel the presence of God every day of our lives. There ought to be an urgency that he that hunger and thirsts for righteousness shall be filled. If you hunger and thirst for more, you what? You're going to get more. Verse 6, and it said, One of these angels flew from heaven with a live coal with a tongue that he'd taken from the altar of the Lord, and he laid it up on my mouth. And then he cried out, More or less, forgive me of my sins. It was one of the greatest prophets of all time was Isaiah. But he asked to ask forgiveness of sin. And when he did, the angel said, Whom shall I send? And Isaiah said, I will go. Could I ask you this morning, are you ready for God to send you? You may not be a missionary. You may not preach behind the pulpit. We're going to cover some of that a little bit later. But you're just important to the kingdom of God. Is a man preaching behind the pulpit or the missionaries? You don't need to go over yonder to find God. We have a revival right here. We should have a revival until Jesus come because this world's in trouble. I preached several funerals here lately, one right after another one. A guy told me yesterday, Friday said, boy, I just seen you a day or two ago at another place. Well, I know, but I'm here on another one too today. So we're finding Jesus said the multitudes, it was moved with compassion because what? They were like sheep without a shepherd, without a shepherd. We find the birth of Jesus found in Luke 2, 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with them an angel, a multitude, a heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace and goodwill toward all men. God wants peace and goodwill toward all men. Every man on this earth, he's crying peace and good Lord. The harvest is truly what? Plentiful, plentiful. I read an article here about Prayer Mountain in Seoul, Korea. I mentioned some of this Sunday school Wednesday night. There are 30-something thousand people praying around the clock daily, 24 hours a day. Some of their children praise as much as two hours a day praying. Unemployment there in Seoul, Korea is 0%. Their next-door neighbor, Korea, the unemployment is 40%. Zimbabwe, where Tudor Bismarck is, employment is 75%. But it's his church, 
the people who gets the best job and gets the highest paying job. Listen, God looks after his own. I don't care how bad things get. If we look to God, God is going to see us through these things. So wonderful things that happen in the kingdom of God. Well, Brother Billy, there's a lot of trouble. I don't think and I don't talk and I don't want to hear about the trouble of the world. I want to see what God can do in a troubled world. The power of God is able to do and change things in a troubled world. So children praying. Can you imagine children praying two hours a day? Our attention span today is seven minutes, and that's because of television. A child and you and I can stay on one subject only seven minutes. And the devil, when you try to pray, the devil is going to distract you and lead you off to somewhere else. He does not want you to pray because he knows what's going to happen when you begin to pray. Begin to pray. Children praying. Always in a continuous revival. Norman Grubbs wrote the national best-selling book, Intercessory Prayer. He says the church should never be a day without revival. There ought to be revival in the church. My soul ought to be revived. Your soul ought to revive. Like Sister Sue ran into somebody the other day and a glorious opportunity to witness somebody that somebody didn't know Christ and wanted to know Christ. Listen, God will hook us up with people because there's a multitude of people that needs the kingdom of God. You therefore, you pray for the Lord to do what? Send labor. Would you say, Lord, send me? We say, Brother Bill, I'm not going to go to Mission Field. I am not planning on leaving Cass County. Now, I done been gone. I toured a lot of foreign countries while I was in the Navy. I mean, I've been to a lot of them. I had show patrol one time where they told me, they said, whatever y'all do, don't drink no water, eat no food out there because it's so bad you probably won't survive it. I'm going to survive right here. Now, if he calls me, I'm going to go, but I'm going to ask him not to call me to call you. Listen, we can pray for those that's out there. Charles Finney is considered the greatest evangelist of all times of his time. Nearly any Bible scholar knows who he was. They said, well, he was a great evangelist. But the key behind him was Father Nash, a man named Father Nash. He would go into the community weeks ahead of time before Charles got there. He would spend those weeks on his knees in a motel room praying for revival. So when Charles got there, revival broke out. It's not just one church. It's a group of people hinged together praying the things of God. Everybody ought to pray for your pastor. Sister Becky Montgomery run up and hugged me Friday at the funeral up there and said, I'm going to be sitting right over there. I said, I'm going to sit right there. and said, I'm going to be praying for you every minute you're up there. We ought to be praying for every Sunday school teacher. We ought to be praying for the nursery workers. We ought to be praying for the Sunday school teachers. They have a hard, difficult time controlling our kids. They want to teach them, but it's hard to teach them when they're so out of control. We need to pray that God will work these things out. John Knox of his time was considered the greatest evangelist of his time.
The Queen of England said, I'm more afraid of his prayer than I am the army of Scotland. You said, well, my goodness. The man behind all of that was his brother, son-in-law named John Wash. He spent his time praying for his father-in-law's success in the kingdom of God. How much time do we spend praying for the success of our brothers in the kingdom of God? All over the world, praying for success for the kingdom of God. I remember when we first remodeled the other church down there and we started pastoring. The church was open every morning. I don't forget what time I was still working. You'd be amazed how many men I didn't even know would come by and pray going to work. Curtis Hancock come by and pray going to work. Almost got those three fingers cut off. Carried him to St. Michael's Hospital. The doctor looked at him and said, we're so busy, you're just going to have to wait a while before we can attend to you. His sister said, if you hadn't been praying, you wouldn't have had no fingers. It's important to pray. It's amazing how many people come by and pray in the morning before we went to work. We need to probably consider doing that again. We ought to consider not just having a prayer meeting. We ought to consider praying every day. If you can't pray, up, come up here, you could pray where? At home. Pray for a revival, a revival until Jesus comes. Isaiah 6 and 3 said, His glory is full of the whole earth. The fullness of God is there. Tudor Bismarck said some of his church members complain to him sometime because he's not at the church every day. He said, you don't know I've been praying at home all night. God sometime will call you to pray at the weirdest hours. Revival till Jesus comes. As I walked in the funeral home up there Friday, this guy come over. It's been a long time since I've seen him. He stuck his hand out and told me who he was, and then I recognized him. He said, my wife is eat up with cancer. He said, my father has just been diagnosed with cancer. Listen, church, people are reaching out for something beyond what this world is. Someone told me the other day, said, when you get my age, they're not near as old as I am, your priorities change. Your thinking has changed. What you used to you think about, you don't think about no more because you know there's things that are different now. Can we say together, revival until Jesus comes? Continuous revival. He's the same yesterday, Brother Melvin, today and forevermore. He's not going to change. He sees a great and mighty harvest, but he sees a lack of laborers. You say, Brother Billy, I can't sing. Well, uh, I, I found out that Brother Leo Garrison told me one time I was singing in the choir. He said, I want you to get down on the other end where I can't hear you. You sang so bad off key, you're keeping me off key. Charlotte Hooker said, come over here and sing by me. He said, I can stay on key with you beside me. You may not be able to sing, but I guarantee you one thing you can do is pray. You may not preach. You may not be able to teach Sunday school class, but you can do what? You may not lead praise and worship as good as Brother Don and him do. And I want to encourage you to pray for the praise and worship team. They may not, you don't have to have a large number to have a wonderful praise and worship team. We ought to pray that they'd be the greatest praise and worship team in the world. 
So the Spirit of God can move, get the Holy Ghost, get healed during worship and praise because that's part of the kingdom of God. People ought to get healed in the church service singing. They ought to get the Holy Ghost in church singing. They ought to get the Holy Ghost in the Sunday school classes. A continuous revival until Jesus comes. Till Jesus comes. You say, Brother Billy, is that possible? It is possible with God. He needs us. We need you. Isaiah said, when the coals of fire from heaven touch my lips, I said, I am a sinful man. And the angels said, whom can we sin? And he said, send me. Send me. The Bible said, look unto me. God wants us all to look unto him, a great and mighty harvest. But to have this harvest, it needs what? Laborers. A young man one day with 15 years of age, a severe cold winter, snowing. He was very cold walking down the streets. He saw this light at a small church. He went inside and sat down with very few people there. The pastor was struggling with a message. And what he said struck like a light in this young man's heart. When the service is over, he quietly got up and left and walked outside. You might have heard of him. Charles Spurgeon, considered the prince of all preachers of his time, built one of the largest churches of his time. You never know what somebody can be affected in a song service because God is everywhere. Our tone services are to be charged and electrified with the presence and the Spirit of God because you'll never know whose heart it's going to touch whose heart may need just a touch from God. Just one touch from the master's hand can change your life forever. Revival until Jesus come. Acts 16 and verse 9. Paul got a vision in the night hour. There stood a man beside him. said, come over here to Macedonia. Come and pray. We need help. How many believe that there's people all over this world praying, needing help? They need somebody that can pray. I read some time ago about this lady prayed all night long, such a distress, such a distress. She didn't know what she's praying for, Brother James. She had no idea what she's praying for. Sometime later, evangelists came to their church, and he told of a situation on a certain day, at a certain time, at night, what he was going through with and how he was delivered. And God revealed to that woman then and said, that's the reason I called you to pray for his deliverance. Listen, God is not bound to just a little old group. He's the God of the whole universe. He's the God of all the world. Amen. We all ought to, I, I, I'm convinced we all ought to be on our feet more worshiping and thanking God. Some of us need to start watching all this bad news and watch what's going on in some of the world where they're starving to death because they can't get food to them, not enough food. War, crime, and things like that. We need a revival. Now, I'm not talking about one. A revival is recorded in America has only lasted two years. We can name some of them here lately that's lasted 
broke out and really lasted, but only lasted two years. This thing needs to start today and now and run until Jesus comes for souls to find their way back to God. This was northern Greece where Paul went to Macedonia. It included cities like Philippi and Thessalonica. Three books in the Bible that Paul wrote about that. The book of Philippians, First and Second Thessalonians, because God had sent a message for him to come down to Macedonia and help them. What a great opportunity we have today. What a great thing that God has laid at our feet today. Amen? This facility wasn't built just for, to be built. It's built to save souls and bring people into the kingdom of God. As he went down there, in verse 15, said, As a certain woman was there, open up the way of worship to God. It takes God to open the heart. It takes us to help in saving that person, wherever it may be. You never know where God may call you. You can look around here. If you're looking for evangelistic field, all you got to do is look around here. You can see with the greatest, one of the greatest needs. I was picked one time to be the district coordinator for hazard waste material. Went to school in A&M for, for over a week. You know where the greatest drug dealers are? Anybody know? They're not in Houston. They're not in Dallas. They told us they're right here in the smallest towns in Texas because there's not enough police officers. Peggy's got a friend moved from Houston to Huntsville. Is that right? They're going to get away from the drugs from kind of their kids. Going to get into a smaller town where drugs wouldn't be so bad. They wasn't there but a little while, Brother Melvin. They found out the drugs was his worst. I'm not talking to... They, they said they was worse in Huntsville and they were in Houston. They packed up and moved back. We don't need to be packing up and moving out. We need to be packing up and moving in. We need to be taking the battle to the devil. Amen? We need to stop letting the devil bring the battle to us. We need to take the battle to him in prayer. Listen, prayer changes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Prayer was made unto God for Peter, shackled in chains, waiting for his head to be cut off, locked in jail, and he went to sleep. I want to ask you, how many know that you would go to sleep tonight if you knew they were going to cut your head off in the morning? The peace of God surpasses all understanding. He thought he was in a dream, but as the church was praying, God sent an angel down and had to wake him up. Peter, get up. He thought he was dreaming. He said, 
gird up yourself. Put your sandals on. He didn't realize the chains has already fallen off of him because the church was praying unto God for Peter that was in jail. And their prayer was so effective, he was delivered immediately that night. Hallelujah. Prayer is effective thing against the enemies of darkness. It's effective. Because when you pray unto God, and Macedonia had a great revival, hearts was opened by God, and he used Paul and others to do this great work. Nobody is unimportant to God. Everybody has the same value to God. You may not have the same level in the Christian church, but you're just as important to God. We don't want to just attend church. We want to be the church. Amen? Some people are attracted to the church. Some people are attracted to the minister, the pastor. You'd be surprised if you read about that, how many people leave the church when the pastor leaves because they're attracted to the pastor. But we need to be not attracted to the church or the pastors. We need to be attracted to Jesus Christ and his ministry because that's the only thing that's going to be living forever is Jesus Christ and his ministry. It's going to be forever. Some of the greatest people you'll ever read about, if you read further enough, somewhere behind there, there was prayer. Behind Charles Finney, there was a man praying. By Evan Robbins, a young teenager working in the coal mine trying to help his family make a living. Got to reading the Word of God. He asked the little church where he tended to. He said, I got a message. The pastor said, I can't let you preach. He said, you can stay after service, and if anybody wants to stay and hear you, they can. And he announced to the church, most all of them got up and went home, but a few of them. But Evan got up there and preached, and a mighty revival broke out. God mightily used this young boy. Evan Roberts, you need to read about him in the book of Cure of All Ills. It's not your size. It's not your intelligence. It's not your education. It's God in the vessel. We ought to say, eliminate from our vocabulary, I can't. I don't forgot which one it was, Gabriel or uh, Benjamin was saying, I can't do this. I, I, I can't do this. Holly said, I don't want you to hear you say, I can't say, I can. He says, I can, but I can't. That's the way the enemy will tell you, you can't. If you can be successful in life itself, you be more successful in the kingdom of God because God is the one that does the work. If he doesn't do the work, it's not going to get done. We read there in Matthew 10 and 1, he gave them power. 
to do what? Sometimes we say, oh, Jesus, do this, do this. You know what he would say if we'd stop and listen to him? I gave you the power to do it. I want you to stand up like Peter did the lame man, such as I have, I give you. He had the power to give. Get up and walk. He got up and walked. God bless you. I don't know. We'll start at 6 tomorrow night, but I want to encourage you, if you can, to come and we'll, some of us will get together, but I'm, I'm going to be here. I'm going to find a Sunday school room. I'm probably going to have to get down on the other end somewhere because all this is going to be a bunch of noise in here. We're not going to have Wednesday night service on account of that because some of them are going to be working there. But there's one thing we can do what? Pray. You can sit in a pew and pray. You can pray. We go to the ballparks, is that right? We watch our great-grandkids play ball. We sit there in the hot sun, watch them play ball. Surely we can come and sit for one hour. Don't just have a prayer for one hour. Let's make it for lifetime situation. We're going to be known as praying people through the lifetime. Glory to God. I guess I need to quit. They went up. Peter and John went up to the temple the ninth hour to pray because that was a set hour. Normally speaking, if people don't have a set time to pray, they don't ever pray because the booger man going to keep you busy all the time. I remember Sister Elder Draper said one time, any time God moved on her to pray and she went to pray right then, God answered the prayer. God done what? But if she put him off and do something else, nothing ever happened. He's not one you can put on hold. He's got to be first. When he's first, he's going to put you first. Revival until when? Come to come. A continuous revival every day. I guess we're going to have to change Ken's name to Happy Ken. You know, the Holy Ghost ought to make us happy. It's not something sad. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. There was a guy who went to the altar one time to pray and get the Holy Ghost. Nobody went over and prayed with him because he was just kneeling down on one knee and he was just, there was no excitement to him. He, You know, and one that went over, come over here and gathered over here because the excitement was over here. And he just prayed. And the rest of he got up and sat down on the bench. And the preacher went over and asked him, said, are you satisfied? Back then they asked you, are you satisfied? He said, well, if I'm not, I never will be. Amen. Back in, the, I guess it's 60, when Peggy and I got the Holy Ghost. Robert Dees, he was a plumber in town. He got the Holy Ghost the same revival. Grown, big man, come up out of that water. I remember the first word he said, I feel just like a newborn baby. I tell you, he felt so good because his sins had been washed away and the Holy Ghost had come flooding in his heart. He was a new creature in Christ. Old things was gone, but something new came. We can have a new experience with God every day of our life. He loves to have a new experience with us every day of our life. New, fresh oil. David said, I shall be anointed with fresh oil every day of my life. God bless you for being here. Hallelujah. You're going to have a work day praying.
And pray for those that's cooking all this food and all the wonderful things they've done there. So, God, they're working cooking. We're going to work praying, right? We're going to pray. So, God bless you for being here.